When I go to Menards, I can just wander the store endlessly and be completely happy. When I go grocery shopping, I bring a list with me because I want to buy the food and get out. And I actually get satisfaction from crossing the things off the list as I go, and I feel accomplished by the time I'm done. I know that sounds sort of silly, but I think personal finance is a bit like buying food. Not super exciting, but if you plan ahead and make a list, you'll actually feel pretty good when you cross it all off. Today I'm going to give you five items to put on your annual financial to-do list. Welcome to the 360 Blue Financial Strategies Show. Join us as we discuss actionable steps you can take today to gain financial freedom. Jonathan Pop, Iris Sagrado, and Glenn Steers are registered representatives offering securities and advisory services through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA SIPC, 360 Blue Financial Strategies, and United Planners are not affiliated. The views expressed are those of the speaker as of the date noted, are subject to change based on market and other various conditions, are not a solicitation to purchase or sell any security, and may not reflect the views of United Planners Financial Services. Keep in mind that current and historical facts may not be indicative of future results. Now on to the show. Let's get right to it. Item number one, can you contribute more to your retirement plan this year? Specifically, I'm talking about your IRA and your Roth IRA. This isn't as urgent as the end of the year. You actually have until tax day the following year to make your contributions. So you've got until April 15th, 2020 to make your 2019 contribution. The most you can save into an IRA or Roth IRA is 6000 If you're 50 and above, you get to save a little extra. The maximum you can put in is 7000 These limits, by the way, are for 2019 and they're staying the same for 2020. Some people save into these retirement plans every month, which is great. I think monthly saving is the easiest way or maybe the surest way of seeing that money goes into your retirement savings. Some people write a check once a year. That's fine too. As long as it gets into the account at some point in the year, that's what matters. If you can, take a look at your savings and your income and see if you can save a little more into your plan. Maybe you're in a position where you got a raise this year. And you can max it out, which would be great. Or maybe you just have some extra money that wasn't spent on something else. So what happens in a family where only one spouse has earned income? As long as you are married filing jointly, you can contribute to both your and your spouse's accounts. This is a nice feature. You don't both have to have earned income in order to do this. Now for Roth IRAs, which I love, by the way, There is a restriction. Basically, if you make too much money, as decreed by Uncle Sam, then you cannot contribute to a Roth IRA, which is too bad. If you're single, your modified adjusted gross income cannot be above $137,000 for 2019. If it's above that threshold, you cannot do it. If you're married and filing jointly, the limit is 203000 So the good news is you're making good money, but the bad news is you cannot contribute to a Roth IRA. At least not directly. There is a way to do what's called a backdoor Roth IRA, but that's a topic for another podcast. A lot of the time, if you're right on the border of this threshold, you won't know 
until you've done your taxes. And you can't do that until late winter, early spring of 2020. So I advise you to not procrastinate in getting your documents to your tax professional. Don't be a lazy slob. Get it done as quickly as you can so that you can find out if you are eligible for contributions to a Roth IRA. Try to get your taxes done in February or early March so you've got a little time left to contribute before tax day. The second thing on the list applies to people that are in the distribution side of their financial lives. Attention retirees, I am talking to you. Have you taken out your 2019 required minimum distribution? This one's timely. Unlike contributing to your IRA or your Roth, where you have until tax day to do it, with RMDs, required minimum distributions, you have until December 31st. Your RMD is the minimum amount that the government requires you to take out of your retirement plans starting when you turn 70 and a half. You don't want to mess this one up because the penalty is hefty. If you don't withdraw it on time, you can be hit with up to 50% of the RMD itself in a penalty. That's 5-0%. The IRS will just feast on it like vultures. Here's a hypothetical. You're 72 years old and you have an IRA of half a million dollars. Your RMD would be about $19,000. That's the amount that you would have to take out of the IRA. And if you didn't do that on time, that means you could get hit with up to a $9,500 penalty. The only thing worse than the financial loss will be the shame. Don't let it be you. The third one is actually happy, and that is make a charitable gift. Give some money away to a charity. First, let's put aside any tax deduction issues. It's just a good thing to do. There are people out there that are a lot less fortunate than you and could use your help. It could be an organization that helps people. It could be a church, whatever. Just give some money away. Look at it this way. If you made $50,000 a year and you worked for 40 to 50 years, you will have had millions of dollars pass through your hands. Don't get to the end of your days and realize that you didn't share anything. So be generous. Plus, it'll make you feel really good. Now, on to the tax deductions. This one involves some timing. In order to get the tax deduction for charitable donations, all of your itemized deductions would need to be higher than the standard deduction. The standard deduction, if you're single, is $12,200. If you're married filing jointly, it's $24,400. Now, you often won't know if you're under or over this amount until the tax year is over and you've seen your tax return, but by then it's too late. It's like the RMD. You have to do it in the calendar year for it to count. So what people will often do is look at last year's tax return to get an idea of where they are at today, assuming not much has changed in your life. And what some people do, if they're right on the border, is time their charitable contributions very strategically. Let's look at a hypothetical two-year period. Assume you were giving away 
$3,000 a year to charity, and combined with your other deductions, you're just under the threshold. Well, that means you're taking the standard deduction and your charitable donations are not helping you from a tax standpoint. So over a two-year time frame, you've given away $6,000 and it hasn't helped with taxes. What some people will do is instead of giving a flat $3,000 a year, they'll give $6,000 once every two years. That way they take the standard deduction one year and the next year they go above the threshold and now can itemize and get some deductions for their donations. The charity still ends up getting the same amount over a two-year period and you've been able to get the most out of the tax code. Number four, check your beneficiaries on your life insurance and all of your savings accounts, including investment and retirement accounts. This one you don't have to do every year, but if you haven't done it in a while, it just makes good sense. The first reason to do it is if you've had a life change. Marriage, divorce, having children, having grandchildren, even the act of retiring might make you want to update your beneficiaries. Another good reason to do this, regardless of whether you've had a life change or not, is to make sure you have what's called contingent beneficiaries. That's a secondary beneficiary. That's the beneficiary who's next in line. The reason you want to do this is to avoid a legal probate nightmare after your death. Many people have their spouses listed as their beneficiaries, but what happens if you both die at the same time? If you don't have a contingent beneficiary listed, then it goes through probate and now the courts are involved. So if you wanted the money to go to your kids in the event that you passed away with your spouse, now your kids have to deal with the court. If you had just filled out some forms in advance, they can avoid this and the money seamlessly goes to them. And it's not uncommon for there to be no contingents listed on accounts. The reason I think this happens is that when people open up an IRA, for example, they're not focused on end-of-life issues, and especially not what happens if we both die. They just want to set up the account and be done with it. Setting up contingent beneficiaries requires you to do some serious thinking about a, honestly, kind of a bummer of a topic. So it makes sense that they might not be set up on your existing accounts. Go back and check them, and if they're not there, add contingent beneficiaries. The last one is timely, and that is to consider the tax implication of any upcoming transactions. Are you planning to sell any real estate this year? Are you starting a business? Do you think you might exercise a stock option? Might any large commissions or bonuses come your way in? Will your income change next year? That's a good one to think about now, especially since we just talked about the Roth IRA income limits. If your income might change in the future, that might dictate whether or not you can contribute to a Roth IRA. So think about how that will impact you and act accordingly. If you might make too much money next year, make sure to contribute to your Roth IRA now. Also, do you anticipate selling an investment that is held in a non-retirement account? Let's say you were planning on going on a cruise next year, and you were planning on paying for it by selling an investment. If that's going to generate a capital gain or loss, do you want that to happen in 2019 
or do you want it to happen in 2020? Even though you might not need the money right away, it could make sense to liquidate the investment sooner or maybe later. But think those things over because they could have an impact on your taxes. And I am done. This podcast is over. If you want to see this information in print, as well as some other ideas, you can go to our website and view our blog titled Annual Financial To-Do List. Go to 360blue.com. That's T-H-R-E-E-S-I-X-T-Y blue.com and click the Resources tab. I hope you found it helpful and I hope this gets you thinking about some actions you might need to take before it's too late. You'll be glad you did. So with that, I want you to go out there and have yourself a glorious day. For more information, go to 360blue.com. That's T-H-R-E-E-S-I-X-T-Y, blue.com. Keep in mind that this show is designed to be educational only. The representatives on this podcast do not provide legal or tax advice. For individual guidance, please speak with someone who knows you and your situation. 